Welcome to The Heart Zone, featuring George Cannon. This broadcast is a time of teaching and encouragement from Kerwinsville Christian Church. For more information, we invite you to visit us on the web at www.kerwinsvillechristian.org. And now for a message from The Heart Zone. Here's George Cannon. How do you know that you're a believer? How do you know that you're saved? Is it a profession? Is it a prayer that you prayed? These are difficult questions that we need to ask ourselves. How do you and I know that we have salvation? That you are a Christian? Is it because someone told you that you prayed a prayer? Is it because someone told you that at some point in your life you got baptized or so, and so therefore you're okay? These are difficult questions. Now you're saying, why, why are you asking these kind of questions? It almost seem kind of hard for us to contemplate. Well, because as we've been going through First John, one of the things that John has been dealing with is the issue of false professing Christians, some of which were false teachers. And so now as he writes his letter, he wants to tell his readers how to identify someone as being a genuine believer. They say all you got to do is just find out when they got saved and just accept them as where they're at. Well, see, John's going to tell us that that's not true. A simple profession is not just enough. They need to show their faith in their life. See, because they had people in their day who would show up and say, oh, I believe in Jesus, but then to begin to teach or lead others in doing things that were wrong. And so as to protect the church, John wants to address the whole issue, which we're going to look at over the next few weeks, about the whole issue of knowing whether or not you are a genuine believer. This week, he's going to look at the issue of knowing that you're a genuine believer by the fact of how you live, by doing what is right. Next week when we look at it, he's going to talk about knowing that you're a genuine believer by the fact of how you love and whether or not you love God and love the brethren. All of these things evidence our lives. So I want you to notice with me, we're looking at verse 29 all the way through verse 10 of chapter 3 today. As we look at this first area that distinguishes whether or not you and I are truly believers. Now, as before we look at it, you say, is this really important? I think so. Because you and I come in contact with people every day who reject Jesus. And the sad thing is, is that they reject Jesus, not because of Jesus, but because of the people who profess to have Jesus. You maybe have met someone like that. They claim to be a Christian, but there's no evidence of that in their life. Oh, they have a profession. But how can you really know? Well, John's going to tell us how we can really know. So let's look at verse 29. If you know that he is righteous, you know that everyone who practices righteousness is born of him. Behold what manner of love the Father has bestowed on us, that we should be called the children of God. Therefore the world does not know us, because it did not know him. Beloved, now we are the children of God, and it has not yet been revealed what we shall be. But we know that when he is revealed, we shall be like him, 
for we shall see him as he is. And everyone who has this hope in him purifies himself just as he is pure. Whoever commits sin also commits lawlessness, and sin is lawlessness. And you know that he was manifested to take away our sins, and in him there is no sin. Whoever abides in him does not sin. Whoever sins has neither seen him nor known him. Little children, let no one deceive you. He who practices righteousness is righteous, just as he is righteous. He who sins is of the devil. For the devil has sinned from the beginning. For this purpose, the Son of God was manifested that he might destroy the works of the devil. Whoever has been born of God does not sin, for his seed remains in him. He cannot sin because he has been born of God. In this, the children of God and the children of the devil are manifested. Whoever does not practice righteousness is not of God nor is he who does not love his brother. Interesting passage can be somewhat confusing, but we're going to go through it verse by verse today to help you to understand what does it mean and how do we know whether or not someone is a genuine believer. So I want you to notice with me, verse 29 through verse 3, we're going to see the nature of genuine faith. We're going to see what does it mean to have genuine faith, first of all. First thing he tells us in verse 29 is this. That genuine faith is seen in actions. Let me just make this point to you. Nowhere in the Bible does it say that your faith is demonstrated by your profession. Nowhere. And saying, I've met so many folks that will come up to me and say, well, I got saved 20 years ago. But they're living like the devil today. But I'm okay. I'm going to go to heaven. I'm going to be okay with Jesus. Because of something that took place 20 years ago. Jesus is not even a part of their life today. They couldn't care less about Jesus. They just rest in some decision in the past. John says, genuine faith is expressed in actions. If you truly believe, if you truly love God, it will be expressed in the way you live your life. You say, is that, are you sure about that, George? Yeah, listen to what Jesus said. If you love me, what? Keep my commandments. See, if you say you love Jesus, wonderful. Your words aren't going to necessarily show that. It's your actions that will show that. Let me give you an illustration of what I'm talking about. You know, it's one thing for me, if I were to say to my kids, I love you, but yet treat them like dirt, do everything I can to make their life miserable, but I always follow it up by saying to them, I love you. What is reality to my kids? My words or my actions? What is it? Actions. They would see right through my words, wouldn't they? See, that's what John is saying here. Is that when you look at verse 29, notice what he says. If you know that he is righteous, know that everyone who practices righteousness is born of him. A natural outflow of the new birth of knowing Jesus Christ is that you're going to do the right thing. Genuine faith is seen in actions. That's the first thing you need to know about the nature of genuine faith. It is expressed in how you live your life. 
And look, this concept is not just for John. If you go over a couple books to James, James will say to you, you say you have faith? Wonderful. Show me your works. For faith without works is what? Dead. Is meaningless. Don't make a profession. Live your life in such a way that your faith is expressed. So he goes on then and he says this. Look at verse 1 then. He says, Behold what manner of love the Father has bestowed upon us that we should be called the children of God. Therefore the world does not know us because it does not know Him. The next thing I want you to notice is this about the nature of genuine faith is that God's amazing love has made us His children. If you have genuine faith, you can know for sure that God's amazing love has made you one of His children. Isn't that an awesome thought? The other thing he points out here is this, that this aspect of you being a child of God, the world around you is just going to miss out on that. It's not going to be evident to them. You might know in your heart, yes, I'm a child of God. I've put my faith and trust in Him. But the reality is that God's amazing love has made you His children. But the world has no clue of that. Can't even clue into that. Doesn't even see it. Doesn't even see it. Genuine faith is expressed in the reality of this new relationship with God. You're His child. You're His child. Isn't that an awesome thought? Isn't that an awesome thought when you think about that because of your faith in Christ... He just doesn't save you. He now brings you into a relationship with Him. And that relationship, He pictures not just as a buddy-buddy relationship, but a relationship that's far more intimate than that. A relationship that is expressed in you being His child. Think about that. You are His child if you have trusted in Him. And it says here, notice what the verse says, Behold what manner of love, the volume of love, that God has bestowed upon you and I so that we would be called the children of God. Isn't that an awesome thought? Notice now the next thing, verse 2 then. He wants to make another point about genuine faith, and this is something that we need to understand. If we're going to understand where actions play a part in our lives. He says, Behold now, we are children of God, And it has not yet been revealed what we shall be, but we know that when He is revealed, we shall be like Him, for we shall see Him as He is. What is John saying here? Next point I want you to see is this. He's saying that what we will become has not yet been revealed. What we will become has not yet been revealed. Have you noticed that? If you put your faith and trust in Jesus Christ and you're saved, if you were not to say anything at all about it, would that be obvious to the person on the street? Would the average guy you work with know that you're a Christian? Is there some kind of special mark that happens? Like do you get a big cross branded on your forehead and everybody knows, okay, well, he's a Christian because he just got saved. God wrote a cross on his forehead. Does that happen? No. See, that's the point that John's making is is that what you will become, what he will become, that is that he's thinking forward ahead to the point when you and I will receive a glorified body. 
has not yet been revealed in this life. So it's not very obvious to everyone else around you that you are a Christian. Because you haven't, it hasn't been completed yet what you will become. What you are is now just on the inside. See, he wants to lay a foundation for you and I to understand that what we are is going to be expressed through something else outward. Not our appearance, but our actions. Not our appearance, but our actions. Because our appearance at this time is just like anybody else. I remember when I got saved, the next morning I got up and shaved, looked in the mirror. It was still the same old George looking in the mirror. The only difference was the same old George had a new heart now. But to everybody else in my household, to my mom, my dad, my brother and my sister, to all my buddies, it was just the same old who? George. Now what would change is that my actions would change because my actions come out of my what? My heart. And so he's saying that what we will become has not yet been revealed. There's one other point that he makes here. And this is the point that you and I are going to need to pay attention to. Notice what he says in verse 3. And everyone who has this hope in him purifies himself just as he is pure. Here's the other aspect, the final aspect of the nature of genuine faith that we're going to understand what it is to know whether or not we're a genuine believer. And here's what he says. Genuine faith strives for purity in life. Let me help you to understand what he's saying here. Because of the hope that we have, what hope? That hope he just talked about that one day when Jesus is revealed, we're going to be like Jesus. You're going to have a new body. Think about that. A new body. I'm going to have a full head of hair again. But here's what I want you to understand. Because of that hope of what we will be, and the fact that now the Bible says He has made me pure, what does that mean? He has made you whole, that He has cleansed you from sin in your life. You're pure now. Positionally before God. When He sees you, He sees purity. Because of what He has made me, He says that out of what He has made me and that hope of what I will be, I'm going to strive to what? Clean up my life. I'm going to strive for purity in my life with regards to what? The sin in my life. See, genuine faith in a person is not going to say, oh, well, this is my character flaws, I'll just live with it. Genuine faith is going to be expressed in your life where you begin, it may take a long time, it's not a necessarily instantaneous process, but that you're going to begin to work on the things in your life with His help that are wrong. You're going to work on the things, the sins of your life. See, genuine faith is expressed in somebody who deals with the stuff in their life. Genuine faith is expressed with someone who deals with the stuff in their life. Do you understand what I'm saying? See, that's why I say you can't say that you're a Christian and you got saved 20 years ago, but you haven't changed a bit. The one thing I want you to understand is Christianity is a relationship of change. The more you're with Jesus, the more you're going to change. 
And what he's saying here is, the more you with Jesus, you're going to do some of the changing. You're going to be proactive in changing because he has made you pure. And your response to that is to change some of the attitudes in your life. So then let's notice now, verse 4 through 10, he gives us the test of genuine faith. How do we know that we're truly believers? Notice with me verse 4 to 6. Whoever commits sin also commits lawlessness. And sin is lawlessness. And you know that he was manifested to take away our sins. And in him there is no sin. Whoever abides in him does not sin. Whoever sins is neither seen him nor known him. Now I want you to read those verses again with me and let me help you to understand because our English translation does not bring out exactly what he's saying. Because when you read this, it's almost like you have to be sinlessly perfect. That's not what he's talking about here. So if I were to translate it for you so that you understand exactly what the passage is saying, let me read it to you again. Whoever commits sin continually. The word commits there is in the present tense, meaning a continuing action. A habitual action. So whoever commits sin continually or habitually also commits lawlessness. And sin is lawlessness. And you know that he was manifested to take away our sins, and in him there is no sin. Whoever abides, again in the present tense, that is, who abides continually or habitually in him, does not sin. Whoever sins, again in the present tense, that is, continually or habitually, has neither seen him or known him. Here's the first test of genuine faith. Habitual sin reflects one's heart condition. Let me just go ahead and make this point here. John is not saying to you that if you're a Christian, you're no longer going to sin. Does everybody understand that? Because if that were true, then all of us here would be in trouble, would we not? Every one of us would have a problem because we all, what? Sin. All of us sin. So he's not talking about sin. In the general sense. But here's what he's saying. Habitual sin. That is, not just the occasional falling off into something. But that you continue in a certain sin. Maybe reflects, does reflect, the condition of your heart. He goes on in verse 7 and he says this. Notice what he says in verse 7. Little children, let no one deceive you. He who practices righteousness is righteous, just as he is righteous. Notice what he says. He's going to make a point here, a very strong point. Do not allow anyone to deceive you. Deceive us from what? The point he just made in verses 4 through 6. Don't have anyone deceive you and say something to you because the reality is is that your faith is expressed in your actions. See, it's really easy. You know, like, you know, I, I've, I've met people, sometimes they struggle with the issues of their sin, and because of the issues of their sin, they'll maybe get a, a, an epiphanal moment, and they'll become to the realization that maybe I'm not a Christian. And as I try to deal with them, 
out of nowhere, they'll come in and say, well, I talked to my grandma and she said, because I prayed a prayer at five, I'm okay now. So we don't need to talk anymore. He was deceived or she was deceived because of a kind-hearted grandma who doesn't want to face the reality that maybe their grandson or their granddaughter maybe doesn't know Jesus. And sometimes you and I can be used of the devil to deceive people because we just don't want to live with the thought that maybe they're going to go to hell. And so we hang on to a profession when the reality is is that their life expresses something completely different. And so he says, don't be deceived. Here, in fact, the Apostle Paul in two different passages says it this way. Let me just He says the same thing, but he's a little bit more specific. He says this, But fornication and all uncleanness, in Ephesians chapter 5, verse 3 through 6, or covetous, let it not even be named among you as is fitting for saints. Neither filthiness, nor foolish talking, nor coarse jesting, which is not fitting, but rather the giving of thanks. For you know this, that no fornicator, unclean person, or covetous man, who is an idolater, has any inheritance in the kingdom of God in Christ. Let no one deceive you with empty words. Because of these things, the wrath of God comes upon the sons of disobedience. Listen now over in Galatians chapter 5, verse 19 through 21. Now the works of the flesh are evident, which are adultery, fornication, uncleanness, lewdness, idolatry, sorcery, hatred, contentions, jealousies, outbursts of wrath, selfish ambitions, dissensions, heresies, envy, murders, drunkenness, revelries, and the like of which I have told you before, just as I've also told you in time past, that those who practice such things will not inherit the kingdom of God. What's he saying? Don't be deceived. You know what you say? Well, that's the Apostle Paul. That's the Apostle John, George. I don't think that's what Jesus said. Listen to what Jesus said in Matthew. He said, In that day they will come to me and say to me, Lord, Lord, did we not do these wonderful things in your name? Lord, we're, we're the people that, you know, we cast out demons in your name. And Lord, we did all these wonderful things in your name. And he'll say to them, Depart from me, you workers of iniquity. I never knew you. Isn't that a terrible thought? In fact, he says that if you go back to 1 John now, verse 3, 7 through 10, notice what he says. Little children, let no one deceive you. He who practices righteousness is righteous, just as he is righteous. He who sins is of the devil, for the devil has sinned from the beginning. For this purpose, the Son of God was manifested that he might destroy the works of the devil. Whoever has been born of God does not sin. For his seed remains in him. And he cannot sin, or that is continuing sin, because he has been born of God. What's the final point that he makes here as far as the test of our genuine faith? The same point he made concerning our nature of our faith. And that's this. Actions reflect the nature of our faith. Listen, don't just say you believe in Jesus. Show it. Let him live through you. Words are empty. Words mean nothing. Because what comes out of your heart, which should be changed, should be something new. Now, I'm not talking about that you're going to be perfecting. You're going to be perfect. Because the fact is, is we all sin. Is that not true? But if for someone who's going to continue in sin, and show no remorse of it, not deal with it, 
not purify their life. Remember, that was one of the things of the nature of genuine faith is that they continue to purify their faith. Then there's a question mark there. But I do have three questions to give you as we consider what John is saying here. Number one, does your life reflect what you profess? Does it? You say you're a Christian. You say you're saved. You've trusted in Jesus Christ. You can even name the date. You can even tell me who was there. Wonderful. You can tell me the day you got baptized. Great. But the question is that John asked, the question is that the Apostle Paul asked, the question that Jesus asked, the question that I ask you now is this. Does your life reflect what you profess? Here's another way of saying it. Do you walk the talk? Do you walk the talk? And I'll be honest with you. The world knows. The world who works with you, the world who who goes to shopping with you, the clerk at Walmart. Oh, you know, wouldn't that be wonderful if the clerk you just blessed came to church the next day and saw you here? See, my question is, Do you walk your talk? That's what John is bringing out. See, the test of genuine Christianity in your life is is that your walk is going to be expressed in your actions, not just your talk. Words are cheap. Words are cheap. And so the question is, does your life reflect what you possess? So then the next question, which is the natural byproduct out of the first question, is this. Have you been deceived? Listen, just don't go by what some deacon told you. Just don't go by what some pastor told you. Don't go by what your grandma told you or your mom told you. That that holds no water. I I can see it one day. We'll go before Jesus and if you're not saved, you can say, well, my grandma told me I was okay. Is that going to be okay? No. Don't be deceived, he says. Are you deceived? Are you deceived in your life because of this whole issue of a profession? Jesus said, if you love me, keep my commandments. So then the final point is this. Examine the nature of your faith. What do you mean, George? You can respond in one of two ways. The first response, which is a natural response, is to just shut your mind off. And say, well, that's interesting, George, but I don't know if I believe you. So I'm not going to listen to you. And you know what? You can do that. But that doesn't change what he says. The second response is to say, okay, wait a minute. Am I resting in something that happened 20 years ago? Am I resting in what someone told me? Or do I genuinely believe? Have I personally trusted in Jesus? Have I personally accepted Him as my Lord? Is that reflected in my life? Is Jesus very much a thought for my day-to-day process? See, you can respond one of two ways. You can shut it off, or you can take it and examine your own life. Let me say this. If you examine it and you find out that you aren't truly believing, the wonderful thing is you can still believe you can still embrace it. The fact that He would reveal that to you, see, that's a work of God in your life that He would even reveal that to you, isn't it? 
that he would say to you, there's something wrong here. I'm inviting you into a wonderful relationship with me. Thank you for being with us this morning. And we trust that today's message has been both challenging and an encouragement to your heart. At Kerwinsville Christian Church, a warm welcome is always extended to you. We're located at 700 State Street, Kerwinsville, Pennsylvania. For more information about our ministry, please visit us on the web at www.kerwinsvillechristian.org. Now, on behalf of George Cannon and the entire church family, we hope that you will look to the Heavenly Father in all that you face this coming week.